everybody, and welcome to The Intersection, a podcast that takes a real look at how race and relationships intersect. We will look at how our unique and diverse lives intersect with thousands of people on a regular basis, and how the gospel intersects with each facet and issue that we face. Join us as we look at how we can set our eyes on the life of Christ as a source of compassion for each of our relationships. Our hosts include Pastor Jeff Bogue, Senior Pastor at Grace Church of Greater Akron, Bishop Joey Johnson, Founder and Senior Pastor at the House of the Lord, and Pastor Coach Kemp Boyd, Co-Pastor at Garden City Church and Executive Director for Love Akron. Keep listening as we cross paths on today's episode of The Intersection. All right, so thank you again for being with us on another episode of The Intersection, where we are intersecting not only with one another, but we're also intersecting with with, with who Jesus is um, right now in our time and our world. And so, you know, fellas, we kind of talked about this off air, but man, it's since we've seen each other last, there's been a lot that's going on um, in our community. June has been um, a heck of a month for us here, here in Akron from the young man, Ethan, um, I think Limey, that who, who was brutal, brutally murdered over at I Promise School. Now we have a police-involved shooting um, that took place a week ago with Jalen Walker. And so, man, I know that everybody right now, is, is hearts are heavy. There's a lot of things going on in our community, whether it's protests, whether it's rallies, people having an opinion, and no matter what side you stand on, we... We all sit here today standing, knowing that we stand on the side of the kingdom, on the side of the king, which is Jesus. And so we're going to we're going to push through this thing, fellas, and, and, and have some conversation, because as we wrapped up and as we talked about last time, it was very interesting. I believe it was you, Pastor Jeff, that talked about, man, the, the authority of doctrine is love. And it's right now more than any other time that we need to be functioning, operating in the fruit of that spirit. And as we operate in that, I believe what can happen is Jesus begins to pour out his love upon us, right, so that we can pour it out on ourselves. And I want to go to a, to a scripture that I was reading a week ago that I felt like, man, I felt like our city was on this precipice. And this is um, in Galatians. Obviously, we know Paul is writing, but it's chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. And he says, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word or one statement or one sentence. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Then Paul goes on to say, but if you bite and devour one another, Watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And so I'm putting that out there. When I, I read that, I felt like, wow, we are kind of in that space right now. We're either going to lean into to loving our neighbor, to loving one another, or we're on this other side to where I think I see this happening a little bit, that we're starting to bite and devour one another, whether that's through pointing fingers, it's your fault, no, it's your fault. Well, man, if this was just better, and I don't know if we're loving each other right now. Yeah. And so I want to put that scripture out there kind of as a basis for us to go by, but we definitely have to stay there, but let that be a launching pad for today. So I want to move right now to, to you, Bishop, you know, reading that, what is it, you know, everything's going to hit us a little bit different, but from your perspective, the seat you sit in, kind of being involved, um, I think for years in this city, where do you see us at right now as a city with everything that's happening going on? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I didn't get a chance to speak to Dr. Bogue, so let me just make sure that I give him his due and Dr. <laughs> Hawk before I, before I get started here. Uh, great men on this, on this with us. Um, I think there is a... Um, I'm seeing, and I'll be talking about a uh, apparent dichotomy that makes it difficult for us to even have the conversation. And that dichotomy is 
justice and love, uh, can they uh, reside in the same space? And I, I think that there was some feeling, um, some angst that, you know, we're standing, we got some, some uh, adherents that have said, we're standing for justice. Um, okay, that, that doesn't mean that you can't have love, I don't think. Uh, but it, it appears that way, that we stand for justice, but you can't stand for love. And those who are saying, well, we stand for love, doesn't mean that you can't have justice. Uh, I think you can have passion and justice, you can have love and justice. And I think that's, that, that's the jumping off point, I think, that we're having. There's a lot of acrimony going on. By the way, um, this is um, equally... <laughs> as uh, applicable to the abortion um, perspective. The same thing. And we have this dichotomy as if you can't even talk to each other. Brene Brown, who is a, a, an American um, researcher, has done a lot of research on words and how they are used, has talked about, and I think she's on to something, we used to talk about civility. Civility. We need more civility. So, but now people are talking in terms of contempt. There's no civility. We're contemptuous of other people, talking about them, putting them down, saying, having ad hominems attack, uh, attacks, um, saying negative um, things. And uh, uh, where that all started, I don't want to discuss. That'll take us somewhere away from where we are. But I, I just think that there is a, um, as Christians, there is a place for love and justice, and I'll do this in a minute, I want the other gentleman to talk, but there is a reason why the African-American community is angry, and I don't want to lose that before we say, let's love one another, let's, let's deal with what happened. I'm going to stop there for a moment and let the other gentleman jump in. Yeah, I... I uh... I agree with what you're saying, Bishop, but the, you can uh, do justice and love each other simultaneously. In fact, I would actually say uh, if you remove love or separate love from justice, justice often looks a lot more like vengeance or punishment or retaliation uh, when you infuse justice with love, it does look like consequences. Uh, it probably looks more like processes, like we would say, let the let justice run its course or the system do its job. Uh, but the end of that is not necessarily a winner and a loser. Uh, the end of that is consequences and then people who grieve because of whatever injustice was done and even grieve somewhat that somebody else has to suffer the consequences. And I think what you were saying there, this acrimony that we have toward each other where I have to win and I have to, you have to lose and everything is a competition instead of a conversation um, it is destroying the fabric of our culture and our churches. I. I the I agree that this this any controversial issue, whether we're talking about uh, what happened with Jalen or we're talking about the abortion debate or we're talking about something political, anything where passions reside, um, the church, if the church cannot communicate in love to each other, and it cannot hear and empathize and sympathize and long for justice without maybe a preconceived idea of what that justice is, then it's hopeless. I, if, if I can't look at somebody who's supposed to be my brother and two of us or sister, and we're submitting to the same God, to the same Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we're to be defined by our love and our unity for one another. It's, the, it's supposed to be the greatest hallmark of the body of Christ. Um, it's just a difficult thing. And what I have found, I, I found this recently, actually talking to some friends about the abortion issue. 
we disagree, but I found that when we could actually talk, um, we were much closer on much more things than we thought we were when we were viewing something through a winner loser mindset. So I look at these issues and I'm like, the, like with Jalen Walker, like this is a human being that lost his life. These are human beings that took his life and they, they have a perspective on that. This is a family that lost a son and cousin and brother. And, and I'm like, the, the empathy, start, the love starts there. And then when we love each other, there's almost like a mutual commitment to justice playing out as, as the, the picture unfolds and the facts play out. So I, I couldn't agree more strongly with you, Joey, that you, you, you don't separate, the Lord doesn't separate those two things. Uh, he doesn't separate love and justice. And when we do, we wind up in very, very difficult places as, as a people. So are, are we separate or does it get separated because, does it separate it consciously or is that just happens throughout the process because, you know, I start to lean towards justice a little bit more and what justice brings out of me is a sense of contempt anger, frustration, to where now, if I don't agree with your form of justice, Dr. Hawk, now, now is, now does, is that my excuse for love leaving? Is because now I don't really agree with you, so how can I really love you? So is, is that how that unfolds? Do we really lean into this saying, oh man, I do want love and justice, but I only want it if you want it the way that I want it. Yeah, I, I think there are two different spheres of conversation and relationality going on here. <clears throat> One is, is our civic society, which is deeply polarized and, and deeply antagonistic. <clears throat> and then we have the church, and we should be modeling a different way of, of coming together and, and uh, you know, bearing each other's burdens, so fulfilling the law of Christ. I mean, we, we have... We are to be these people who manifest the love of Christ, but it just seems to me that we have we have been co-opted, and, and you pastors can speak probably more powerfully to this than I have, but but the church itself is is has just taken on this antagonistic, issue-driven, um, ideological contest. Um, this this uh, impulse to win and to prevail and and to get my you know my side uh, on top and to suppress everybody else I mean all of this toxicity in our culture has just permeated into the church so that it seems to me we've become indistinguishable in some ways um, we you know we, we've lost our saltiness our, our light has grown dim we, we're not presenting that alternative witness to the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, that we, we, we aren't those, those peacemakers that God has called us to be because we've accepted the lie from the culture that it's all about issues. And, and, and it's not all about issues. Fundamentally, it's about human beings, Yeah. Uh, as, as we were saying. And, and so it seems to me that judgment must begin in the household of God. We've got to take care of our own house um, before we can hope to meaningfully impact the culture on this. Uh, and it just seems to me that, that, that one of the main pieces that we have um, <clears throat> we've been drawn away from is, 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 is thinking of each other and our, and, and our conversation um, as, and just the church here, as fellow brothers and sisters. We're, we're family. We start with, I mean, it strikes me the New Testament particularly guides us to start with the premise that we're family. This is about relationship. So my question, even coming out of this is, and I'll, I'll talk, I have some things to say about justice a little bit later, but um, it, how, how do we, I, I guess this is my question back to, to uh, uh, you know, you pastors, 
how 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 do we get people away from this kind of this this cultural toxicity of making everything a contest and 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 dividing human beings and in terms of who's with me and who's against me who's on the right side who's not on the wrong and how how do we in the church redevelop this idea that that the the bond of our 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 conversation is is our relationship with each other dr Hawk, i think you've hit the nail on the head both of you have um and what has occurred is the church in attempting to uh sanctify the world has found out that the world has secularized the church mm. and so what has mm -hmm. happened is rather than us impacting the culture for uh, towards a kingdom philosophy, we have been impacted much more towards a secular philosophy. And so when you have, which is one of my um, issues right now, I'm very careful about who I'm talking to, who I'm going with, where I'm standing, because when you have preachers or people naming the name of, a, of, a, of the title of a clergy person calling for violence. Now, now I have a problem. Um, that does not seem to be indicative of a Christian, much less Christ, uh, to call for violence um, in these situations. And I think it has to do, I brought up Brene Brown's name. I wanna bring up another quote by her, which is not, it's not um, original by her, but, um, it, it's a very powerful quote. We, we are not uh, thinking beings who feel, but we are feeling beings who think every now and then. And so what we have going on is people are caught up in very powerful emotions. Um, sometimes I don't think they even know they're caught up in those emotions. But in the African-American community, as I said, I'll give some words to now. Um, the anger um, that is there. And that anger is palpable. It, it is, you can feel it. Um, and it's coming out in all kinds of dysfunction, I, I feel, dysfunctional ways. Um, and the anger is legitimate. It's not, it's not the anger. It's what do you do with the anger? How do you respond to the anger? How do you play out um, and express that anger that becomes problematic. The fact that you are angry, you should be angry. And I think sometimes that gets overlooked, at least in the places where I'm dealing. It's like, you know, we, we, we want to be calm. And we, want, we do want to be calm. But another young man has been killed. Um, we don't know the, the, the facts yet. We want to wait, at least I feel I do. I want to wait till the facts come out, till the report comes out, whatever. But it is obvious, at least from the onset, that a whole lot of bullets were fired. That, that's obvious. Um, so there appears to be um, ex uh, a, a, an extreme force situation. Well, that has happened for time after time after time after time. And so people have a right to be angry. Another person has lost their life. Another situation has occurred. But now how are we going to deal with that as Christians? How are we going to stand for both justice and love? And should not the church be leading in that, in that perspective? Go ahead, go ahead Pastor Jeff. You, you. I just feel very passionate about this, and and uh, it, my uh, my grief many times in these situations um, is twofold. Sometimes my grief is because of another young man lost his life, or um, uh, or whatever the circumstances may be. A secondary grief that is very big to me is that the church will turn on each other. I, I love what you, what Bishop said there. In an attempt to sanctify the world, the church has secularized the church, and we have we have um, made oftentimes we have spiritualized political issues, 
politicize spiritual issues, and the church at times does not know the difference. And so when you say a truth like God did not call us to save a country, he called us to build a kingdom, that's a, that's, that has become a controversial statement. In, in many churches, and, and, and it grieves me because I'm looking, I'm saying, wait a minute, I, I am not identified as a Christ follower primarily by the nation that I live in. That is not where my citizenship is, not according to the scripture. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. And so when, I, when I'm fighting about political things or things that are viewed politically, I'm having the wrong conversation and it causes me to take a side uh, instead of taking an empathy or to look at things uh, even objectively a little bit. So you, you take a, a touchy issue like a gun control and uh, this madman going into the school down in Texas and, and killing children and suddenly I'm, I'm in the church, we're having a debate about gun rights. I'm like, what are we talking about? The, the, these families are destroyed. Why is why is this a debate that's within the church? Why is the reaction of the church political instead of love or justice? Now, I'm not saying that we, we shouldn't have a conversation about gun rights. I'm not saying that we have to agree about our conversation on gun rights. I'm just wondering why we run to the same corners that news pundits do, that political action committees do, and, and all the rest. And I'm like, the church, we have we often forfeit our position to, to lead. And then what happens is when you make a moral statement, uh, you make a moral statement about abortion as, as a good example, that's viewed as a political statement. And, and you can look and say, well, wait a minute, I, I wasn't thinking politically, but it's being received politically. And you have to be wise about that and all the rest, but I'm like, I'm like we, we have, I honestly believe it's a false gospel that, that uh, the calling of the church is to save a country. Well, Christians in, Guatemala don't think that way. Christians in North Korea aren't trying to save their country. Christians in China, because they think as they're thinking more as the kingdom of God, but Americans, that has been ingrained in us. And, and it's something we have to be cautious about. I want to, I want to use um, a, a very famous guy I know, his name is Jeff Bogues. And uh, <laughs> he, he, he's talked about this on, on this, uh, podcast any number of times. I, I think what we're seeing, and Dr. Hawk has asked the question, let me ask more answer more specifically, is a, a revelation of the quality of relationships that we have with one another. It's not that we disagree. It's not that we have to agree. It's that our relationship, the quality of our relationship do not allow a conversation a civil conversation. Yeah. Um, we don't have that kind of relate. I was thinking the other day they asked me to do something on the power of alliance. And so I went in the Bible and I started to look at the church at Corinth and, and began to true to understand that the church of Corinth was probably, who knows, 12, 13 house churches, but who all identified with Paul as the church at Corinth as one church. Well, we, we don't even have one church within our one church. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how many churches are there are, are represented by all of the different factions and all of the different. So I think it's indicative of the level of relationship that we have, which will not allow a certain level of, of conversation. And without that conversation, without that story, without me knowing who you are, then I'm, I'm unable to relate to you and to understand the things that are going on. And, it, and I, think, I think a lot of times what we've tried to do, even as the church, I'm, I'm guilty of it, we're, we're all guilty of it. We've tried to solve this with sermons and statements and book, maybe even podcasts. 
and we haven't sat down and looked a brother or sister in, an, in the eye. I, I, uh, uh, when Roe v. Wade was overturned, it, you know, it, it kicked up a lot of dust here at, at my church. Uh, Grace Church uh, is a, the Bath Campus especially, is very, very purple, very purple. And so it kicked up a lot of dust. And I got, um, I got an email from one person that was very upset with me about something. So I did a very simple thing. I asked her if she would sit down and talk with me. And she did a very simple thing. She said, yes. So we sit out of my office and I talked and she talked and I understood her perspective and her life and she understood my perspective and my convictions. And we hugged and we prayed and we don't agree. And I love her and I believe she loves Jesus. And I do too. It, I can't do that with an email or an announcement or a, it, it has to be the, the power relationship. I, I quote a bishop all the time that you can only do theology with friends. I'm like, you can only do controversy with friends. You can only do politics with friends. You, you know, it has, it has to be that. And I think as individual parts of the church, uh, you know, we're each made up, you know, the, uh, a church is some total of its individual parts, individual relationships, we have to do that. And then I think as leadership, um, we want a grand sweeping solution that solves everything. And I would say to, to my fellow pastors, that's part of the problem. And uh, what we're going to have to do is travel the gospel the old fashioned way, which is eyeball to eyeball, person to person. And, and so we can get to the heart of each other. Yeah, I appreciate, um, man, this whole discussion because it's bringing me to that passage of scripture that talks about a house divided against itself. Because essentially that's what we're seeing right now within the church, within the church that is the church, but also the body of Christ church. And so we're, we're not being understand, but I also love what you said there, Pastor Jeff, about you know, we're, our job is not to save our country. It's yeah, to build and expand its kingdom. And the challenging thing I think about what's happening is I think I hear more people trying to build an empire versus expanding God's kingdom. And, and I'm trying is, to build an empire in and of myself. Go ahead. It is absolutely both sides of the aisle. And, and, and uh, even within the church, you know, we, we've, talk so much about racial reconciliation here it is the white church the black church it, it's equal and and the that is not our calling i i am grateful for my nation i don't resent it um but i am a member of a different kingdom so when my brother in christ whose skin is a different color than mine and his background is different than mine looks at me as a fellow citizen and says, could you hear my experience? Could you understand my background? It, it's just like um, if, if I'm an American and I sit down with another American and I'm having a conversation, that's very different than if like a, a, a Chinese person jumps in and says, yeah, I hate your country too. Like, like there's a unity then it's like, wait a minute, who are you? But in Christ, my unity is with that brother. It's, it's not with a political system and it's not even within a culture that I grew up in. So it actually amplifies the voice and amplifies the concern of my brother that I, that I wanna understand in a, in a different way. And, and I think this is just a huge part of having a, a kingdom mindset. And I'll be honest with you, I was not raised this way. Uh, I think outside of Christmas and the church I grew up in, the biggest the biggest celebration day was the Fourth of July, and, and we would sing all the the battle hymn of the Republic and God Bless America. And I don't resent it, and I'm not trying to be a jerk about it, but I'm like, if a if a church in North Korea did that, we as Christ followers would be like, I feel like the, the culture has over-infiltrated the church. See, we're just used to it. And, and I think we have to take a step back a little bit because I think that's part of why 
we've aligned ourselves politically instead of my brother or my sister's in need, I run to them. And then within the kingdom, we figure out how to function within a culture that God has placed us in. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of The Intersection, where we look at how everything intersects and brings us all back to Jesus. You can subscribe and follow us on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. You can reach out to us with questions or comments at intersection at loveakron.com. That's intersection at loveakron.com. And we'll see you next time at The Intersection.